Well, after an enforced break um, where Man United were brilliant and put in like the most, the single most joyous performance of the season by miles. Easily the game I would most like to have talked about for half an hour and been just buzzing and happy about when we beat Liverpool 3-2 in the FA Cup. Um, We didn't have a podcast after that, but we have got a podcast after a 2-1 loss to Sheffield United because there's something very wrong with us. (laughs) Yes, we are the plague of podcasts. (laughs) uh, yeah, so... Uh, Hopefully Tommy's... I haven't checked in with him for a while. We heard from him recently. Yeah, we, we heard he, from Tom today. He's, defi- he's, he's, he's definitely alive. Yeah, yeah. he's definitely yeah. alive. Thanks to everyone. It's not his dog, you know, what's happening, us. <laughs> got rid of him, finally. <laughs> Tom, feel free to, you know, insert your own voice in at this point if you want to. But, yeah, lots of nice messages. Thanks to everyone uh, for those. But we're we're back and, and you know, should be should be back on the normal, regular rotation... Um, and talking of rotation, how much do you think swapping half of the back four was uh, part of why it went so utterly, spectacularly, horrifically wrong against Sheffield United? Mm, I mean, I have a mixed opinion about this one because, of course, um, some of those new members of the back four made some key mistakes. But those kind of goals we've seen before with the Full-time yeah. back four. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, United have now conceded 27 goals in the, the Premier League. You have to go down to 12th, and that's Leeds, to find a club that have conceded more. Uh, and you can go all the way down to Fulham in the bottom three, and they've also conceded 27 goals. Wow. And it will give you a, a kind of signal as to, to some of the mistakes United have made this season. And, of course, over the six against Tottenham, so special circumstances, a little bit there. Um, but it's a problem. Unless United play a proper double pivot, we don't defend very well from the front. Mm. And if we do that, we're a bit prosaic in midfield. So it's a it's a this balancing act. And and then individual mistakes and more again. I mean, just I, I like I don't know what whether you have a thought on whether that second goal against Sheffield United or the one from the corner against Istanbul. Is the worst one we've conceded this season, but God, that's a great question. Bad. Yeah, because it's almost like the structurally you can't get worse than the one against Istanbul because there was no one in our half or like anywhere near defending for a corner. But in terms of individual player errors, David de Gea's clearance in the biggest inverted commas you've ever seen, and Alex Tellez just completely and utterly ignoring Burke, who was in the box. He was in the box so long. I was watching it, chatting to a friend, and I was watching it on mute. I thought the whistle had gone. Because the the amount of... Because he had two goes at standing completely unmarked in the box. You've never seen anything like it in your life. This is genuinely a pub team. would A pub team that took the game half seriously would be saying, you can't give him that much space, lads. I know. Look, they played like a couple of fat lads who, this is the back four, who had had 12 pints of, of Fucklebrow the night before and were just like seriously hung out. I mean, it was just dreadful. I mean, Tellez is criminal. And um, who who else let him run past this? I, I'm trying to remember who else. Um, played a big part in that. Well, Harry Maguire was stood still as well. Uh, David Hayes pass out. I, did, I, I couldn't. I couldn't work it out because there was no one near him. I mean, he could have just put his foot through the ball and sent it out to the stands. It wouldn't be that hard. It's absolutely awful. So Maguire, I don't think, does much wrong, really, to be honest. Like, he kind of gets out of the way. He maybe slightly confuses De Gea by standing a bit too near him or whatever. Yeah, but, you know, there was no danger whatsoever. Uh, De Gea, I mean, it's the most feeble pass out I've ever 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 seen by the way De Gea was rubbish on the first goal as well like everyone's saying he was kind of pushed a little bit and he was pushed a little bit but the I mean obviously De Gea is rubbish on those kind of things we know that he always has been basically ever since Andy Carroll whomped him um the you know we've always known this about De Gea but this was a particularly egregious example but that that attempted clearance was a, a total joke and and that 
you know, so the defender that's standing off Burke, the central defender, is Twanzebe. But I, I, A, I want to give him a little bit of leniency because he hasn't played nearly as much and he's young and shouldn't necessarily have to be the senior man in that situation. But I honestly thought both times he thought Tellers was going to pick him up because, I mean, maybe it's foreshortening from the camera angles or whatever, but Tellers really looked like that's the man whose man it, whose man is this? Tellers is man, you know. Well, at least, at least charge down the shot. At least. No, don't just stand there gawping. I mean, well, that's look, what Tuanzebe did. Tuanzebe kind of stood there and it came off his knee and went in, right? That's uh, on the first one, De Gea. I mean, it's incredibly weak. I and look, I, and I'm the first to rush to his defence because he's he's got a lot of bank, credit in the bank still, and he's been okay this season. He's not been making these these horrendous errors, but that was just it was incredibly weak, incredibly weak. Because even if he's pushed. If he's fully committed to that and he's going to clean everyone out, he still gets the ball. I mean, he's, it's Shelton against five foot four Maradona in the 1986 World Cup, isn't it? You've got two arms. They're quite long. Yeah, even if you don't jump, you should be able to out jump uh, someone attacking the ball. And if you do, you clean it out. I mean, it's just it's just really pathetically weak. And it was a foul, of course. Yeah, of course. Um, of course, it was a foul these days. Um, mm. And if Harry Maguire's attempt, Harry Maguire's, Harry Maguire's, the first attempt was a foul, then of course that was. And it's obvious. Uh, and there's plenty of people bitching and moaning about that. So I guess we don't have to, you know, pull that up. But it's well, the vagaries of whether you review or don't review. And, and it's the referee, referee's first error, not being big enough, that's the problem there. And, and, exactly. And the rules VAR, yeah. Schrodinger's VAR, isn't it? It's Schrodinger's foul yeah. because, like, the referee has not blown for a foul in the first one and it isn't a clear enough, obvious enough error to, to overturn it and he has blown for a foul in the second one. I mean, the fact that he blew so quickly for a foul in the second one in the era of VAR is a bit like, oh, what are you doing, pal? Like, let the ball go in and then see what you think, you know, but... I mean, exactly. Like, there, there was um, a moment in the uh, second half, I think, um, when a Sheffield United player raced through and... Was that Burke again? Might have been. Um, or Bernie. And uh, ended up blazing over. I can't remember who it was, sorry. Yeah, uh, I don't and, think it was Burke. I think it was... No, friend. it wasn't. Yeah, it, And it, he was like five yards offside. Everyone could see it and they still let it play through. Mm. Weird, yeah. right? Yeah. Weird. And and that kind of inconsistency is deeply frustrating. But this is not why United lost. No. United, because... United lost because if we'd had a modicum of intensity, this Sheffield United side would have crumbled and we've seen it. So... You know, what's, what's absolutely mad is like we've we've kind of absolutely gone to town on the defending for the goals but particularly the second goal because the second goal is all-timer terrible team defending um and you know it's without even getting into like Martial losing the ball cheaply uh to for the turnover that led to the goal a lot of things happened before that but the defense wasn't even the biggest problem the biggest problem was that the attack looked completely blunted so I'm not sure if you're uh, familiar with the phrase cross and inshallah, Ed. So if, for those of you who are not familiar with this phrase, this is a phrase used often on um, social media in general, but particularly on the excellent Touchline Fracker podcast. And cross and inshallah means Manchester City's general strategy when things aren't going well. It's to knock it in the box and hope for the best. Um, Man United's tactic at this point is one two and inshallah like this is this is they, they if they one two around the edge of the box doesn't come off they run out of ideas when they're up against deep line defenders and the individual performance levels i mean this is where like i have to i feel awful because here i'm about to like attack all my favorite players really ruthlessly but the fact that martial didn't come off for cavani at halftime in that game was a joke the fact that greenwood came off instead of martial was an absolute joke Green, greenwood looked bright and, by and the lively way, completely Completely predictable that, oh, that yeah. change. Yeah, of course, and and like yeah, exactly. Like predetermined at the hour mark, if score equals, then Greenwood comes off for Cavani. In spite of the fact that Martial was completely awful in this game. I mean, I've seen the the uh, the number of horrifically 
angry takes about Martial is shocking to me, remains shocking to me. That the idea that people are like seeing his form at the moment, being like, "Oh yeah, this is this is the game that proves he needs binning off." I'm like, the player that scored 17 league goals in his first season as a number nine for four years last season, like the player that we've seen play kind of like fantastically for extended spells of time, who's clearly having a really rough time at the moment, and just want to go, "Oh yeah, he's rubbish." Like, all right wind your neck in but you know um he Rashford's been in dismal form almost all season but he's got goals and assists right if Martial was putting up the numbers that Rashford were the performance levels have been broadly similar for the most part with a couple of exceptions um but anyway he was having said all of that he was complete garbage last night and it was sad to see it's an interesting question just how many United players have actually been in real form this season because I think there's a good argument to say there's quite a few who have actually underperformed last season and a few real standouts uh, that have that got United over the line and that uh, and the special circumstances of this season the much lower points total uh, for the leading contenders compared to last season means we're in touch at the top right and and this is not to kind of crap on uh, where United are because of one result or anything like that. I think they're just they're, that explains why a squad that still has holes in it could get to top of the league by the halfway stage, and we're talking about potential titles. Um, one of the holes in this squad, apart from individuals, is the propensity to play like that in some games. I mean, uh, we were chatting just before we came on about uh, Istanbul, or no, no, we were chatting earlier in this podcast about Istanbul. I've already forgotten, um, and and it felt very similar to that, didn't it? That just the uh, apart from the horrendous individual mistakes, the the just a complete lack of intensity. I don't know how else to put it. I don't want to get into like questions of passion and wanting it, and no, they've and, shown and a lot stuff of that. like that. But they have shown a lot of that at times this season, so. And 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 I don't think that's Martial's problem, although it's the one that people go to fairly easily on for some particular reasons, which we'll get into, uh, go to on social media. But but the the fact that they can drop off so much, I mean, it looked like they were knackered. It looked like it was the 60th game of the season yeah. after 257 in the Europa League and they were all broken. But yeah. But we're only in, we're in the end of January and we've got, basically another half a season to go so i really hope that's not the case yeah you know it's, it's interesting that the the question performance because i think one of the things that definitely happened was that sheffield united defended very ferociously and the fact that we gifted them even the commentator who's darren fletcher on bt sport who is maybe the single worst commentator is somehow the lead commentator on the secondary sports broadcaster in the country but anyway that's the second and to be clear to listeners abroad that is not glorious hero Darren Fletcher it's the baddie Darren Fletcher um he said that they've got something to defend now and they were already defending ferociously and they did they defended for their lives and they defended in huge numbers with five people in the back line and three holding midfielders as well so it was really literally like five three and then whatever left over in in front of it behind the ball almost the whole game and it's not easy to break down a team that defends like that it really isn't um and uh it it caused united some clear discomfort and they were trying stuff they were you know trying passes into the box they were they were trying the one twos around the edge of the area all of those kinds of things it's probably quite telling that the best chances came from set pieces the goal came from a set piece shout out to Harry Maguire for finally heading the ball at the goal rather than above it or to the side of it as is his general preference in these matters um you know so it was nice nice to see that and and when it got back to one all I thought right great we're going to win this game because actually the attitude's been fantastic fantastic among the club at uh, the club and the, the the passion if you like the collective application the will to win the belief all of those things have been great Liverpool that Liverpool game at the weekend I wonder how much of this and we'll see the Arsenal game will be quite telling of this I wonder how much of this game was about um not quite complacency but almost a kind of uh, after the Lord Mayor's show you know a kind of just a, a slight lack of intensity because Sunday required so much intensity and the high of Sunday was pretty great as well. I wonder whether that was a factor. Look, it, it may well have been. Uh, it's it's not enough though, is it? I, 
just uh, it's, it's not enough of ex- an explanation for just how bad that was. And and I know Sheffield United defended deep and well, and they had these blocks of four, but it's not like they're the first club to ever play some anti-football. And and the way you break down a team like that is the way that they've been broken down 33 times this season. It's, it's by shifting play. It's by speeding up in key areas. It's by doing the things that players of a lower quality, honestly, sorry guys, um, usually fail at. And and United didn't do that. Didn't even change the tactics up at all. I mean, what uh, almost the most shocking thing was we got into the last 10 minutes and there wasn't like some big rally. There wasn't mm. like a, a whole bunch of chances. We didn't even, not that I'd advocate this normally, stick Harry Maguire up front and launch it. I mean, anything. Mm. They they were still playing 10-yard balls at walking pace like they were playing in you know the World Cup in Qatar, which will be like this, right? Zero intensity. <laughs> um uh, and it just it was mind boggling how bad and i and and yes maybe the the mental intensity of that liverpool game has taken something out of them there were five changes though and that's why you use your squad in order to freshen things up and just just nothing you know when the starting lineup came out i thought great that's exactly the kind of side we need i was a little bit surprised to see cavani not playing because he is so good i mean like I was also not surprised to see him come on at half time because if anyone was going to pull those defenders apart and pull them out of position, Cavani, you know, is is sort of born to do that. Um, but the the starting lineup was really attacking, and he played the, basically his most attacking team pretty much. Tellers on the left, trying to give Shaw a rest, I guess, um, and uh, the Matic Pogba Fernandez combination is the most attacking midfield combination the most creative midfield combination that doesn't include van der Beek in some way um and in fact so and the the front three although they have struggled actually collectively this season we saw at the back end of last season how effective they can be as a front three um the thing that that was shocking in, from Solskjaer was the the lack of a, a speedy reaction and the decisions. The fact that, not, that he didn't go back to the drawing board and do a different sub from the Greenwood for Cavani sub. Because like I said, Greenwood actually looked quite lively, quite threatening. He'd scored that goal against Liverpool. I'd have, I'd have given him the full 90 here. And right. Had a very good chance, didn't he, as well, Greenwood? Yeah. Which, I mean, it's a... It's a 28% chance or whatever it was, but yeah. uh, one that he likes to bury. Yeah. And then um, I, I, I talk about this all the time, but there's a quote from Solskjaer. I think maybe it was from his official United podcast interview, but I don't. I can't remember where it was from. I can't find it again, but he definitely said it, where he said, I always felt as a player that you need 20 minutes to influence a game as a substitute. And he, he just, well, then why are you bringing on Van der Beek 10 minutes before the end of the game? Who, by the way, did influence things. We did look a bit tidier with Van Five, five minutes before the end of the game. Right. I mean, he, he's played, his, his second two subs were at 85 and 86 minutes. I mean, he does this quite a lot. You know, his reluctance to use substitutes. Now, he's got a much bigger pool of players now. Right? He's, got a, he's got a bigger pool of players. He's got a higher quality pool of players than... He had two years ago when he came into the job and there's still that reluctance. And, you know, it, it is a failing as as much as he's growing into the job and the team is growing with him. And he he seems he doesn't make big, big decisions. Mm. And and this was a game where it was so flat. I mean, half time was you're right. The time I'm not normally one to be screaming, shouting on Twitter going, got to make that change. But it was just so desperate mm. for that, that first half that, that it had to be something. If it's not a change of system or personnel or whatever, um, that, or, or the halftime team talk or whatever it's going to be uh, to do it, then, then what is it? Yeah, Because they came out and they were exactly the same. And I exactly. guess in Solskjaer's defence a little bit, you got plenty of evidence that this team can sort themselves out after a bad first half. They've done it all season long, and this was actually kind of almost that pattern of play of going behind and first catching up with us. Um, and this is one of the first times there hasn't been a significant reaction that's changed the game. Certainly since since it went all kinds of terrible against Tottenham. Um, but the 
the inability to change the game you know i've talked constantly this season about the kind of this is this season is a battle between our good players and our bad players and in this game our bad players did exactly what they're meant to do which is disastrous defending for the most part not even our bad players but you know our players with massive mistakes in them um and then our good players didn't do what they're meant to do basically none of them pogba wasn't great bruno certainly wasn't great uh rashford wasn't great martial was absolutely terrible greenwood was all right um uh, Matic I guess was pretty harmless and actually did a couple of decent bits of defending one-on-one you know not really got particular criticisms of him in this game but but just I just keep flashing back to that De Gea pass out and it is difficult to overcome uh, at moments like that but that did feel symptomatic of like the whole of United just kind of coming down with the collective case of like oh no no maybe actually we're rubbish we can't really believe and I think I said two weeks ago one of the reasons I find it very difficult to believe that this side could possibly win the league is I can't imagine them showing up in really clutch moments consistently all season and this was not the clutch moment of the massive high pressure game this was the clutch moment that you absolutely need if you're going to win the league which is win the games you're supposed to win you know oh sure yeah I mean and and the contrast with Sunday was just just oh so my God. stark, just yeah. so stark. When when United, I mean, I think that might have been. I mean, like we've we've had big games, right? Wins against City um, and Paris Saint Germain in and and all those moments, but um, predominantly there where United played in a low block, block and used the pace on the the counter. And here yeah. against Liverpool, they won from the front. Yeah, they they'd seen the last fifteen minutes against Liverpool uh, at, in the league game. And they'd realised that this is a Liverpool team that can be taken on, you know, and and that belief kind of was injected into the team. Now it, it kind of took uh, Bruno shooting from every angle to really spark United into to life a little bit, but um, but there there it was. Yeah, United could go toe to toe with the best team in the land. Well, uh, or at least they used to be. Yeah, and 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 come out on top. And and so I mean, Solskjaer used the word statement. A few other people have, including I think me on Twitter, it was <laughs> the, the word that seemed appropriate at the time. And and it was a, a statement, a landmark win for this United team in its development. And then to follow that up by pissing it away mm. against the worst team in the division in the most awful, insipid, pathetic fashion. You know, God, we're going to turn into Arsenal fan TV with this kind of rant, aren't we? But <laughs> it's just, it was just shocking. I keep using that word because that's how I, I felt. I couldn't believe United did that. And I couldn't believe that there was just no reaction in the last few minutes. Just yeah. nothing. And and you know the 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 reason why I don't think we'll ever turn into Arsenal fan TV is there'll always be some nuance in this because um, it these players are all living in the weirdest circumstances of all time. This is the weirdest season of all time, and for them to hit these kind of walls or have these games where they suddenly lose confidence and all those kinds of things, I, I guess this is a, just a thing that can happen. Um, and you know, we've seen you mentioned Liverpool, the best team in the land. Well, they've been shocking all of a sudden out of nowhere. I mean, it's not out of nowhere. They've had key injuries that have caused reshuffles, leaving holes in their side and their strategy. But nonetheless, some of the individual performances have been really poor from their absolute key players. Salah scored two goals against us. Those were his first two goals in four games. Mane, I think he scored tonight, but um, if I'm not wrong, um, I might. I just saw something on Twitter. I could be completely wrong about that. But anyway, he's really been struggling for goal scoring form. And he's Sadio Mane, like, you know, the, the division's kind of most proven, exciting forward player for the last three years or whatever. So, you know stuff can happen um he didn't but no yeah. right he didn't score twitter tonight, lies right? all the time yeah i i know I, I i realized as i was saying it that i've conflated two things the fact that they're winning and the fact that i saw his name mentioned but it was in a completely different context but anyway um so you know uh they are not a a collective disgrace this man united side they are trying their very best to be good and They've done much more than anyone expected so far this season and they really were absolutely rubbish 
um at the weekend but you know uh the kind of it was insipid and it was a really kind of like a really shocking performance but they're humans and they're clearly you know they they don't deserve to be widely uh mocked and hated for for having a bad game i mean the other thing it's I don't know what the, what the hell is the point of me and you talking about this, but I don't know how not to talk about it. Um, Twanzebe and Martial, uh, particularly Axel Twanzebe, exposed to just horrific racial abuse on social media after that game, directly, cruelly, viciously. It, it, you know, there's, there was a widespread reaction and, and um, United, the club, players of all ethnicities at United and, and players all around the game uh, reacting to this and expressing solidarity for Axel Twanzebe. I, I didn't know, I wanted to say something and didn't know what to say and all I could think to to do was to express some heart solidarity with the person going through something like that, because these, you know, it's just evil. And Henry Winter said like, oh, education's the key. And it's like, well, we've had, you know, yeah, education's the key, but a very different sort of education from the one that has been around about these things. And, and anyway, we've had plenty of education that hasn't done anything. So, you know. Yeah. I'm not going to take it from Henry Winter, the Oracle who works for the Telegraph. Sorry. Exactly. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. he work for the Times now? Didn't? Isn't it even Does worse? He, work he works for Rupert it, Murdoch. He moved. He from works the for Rupert Murdoch. The Times. Yeah. Move, uh, great. Awesome. Yeah. You know. Um, look, it, it's disgusting. It. It. By the way, uh, we're talking about it because it's made the headlines. But uh, Jesse Lingard and other black players at United who have failed in perceivably failed. The perception is they failed. I think I made a word up there. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I'm allowed to. I'm the host of this podcast, God damn it! I'll say whatever I like. Uh, they get abused every week, uh, and and it's really disgusting. Uh, and unfortunately, social media is is very very good at amplifying those voices, finding them, amplifying them, and bringing them to the surface. Um, and I wish society wasn't like this. And and solidarity is what we can show at this time. Uh, I would like. Um, some of these social media platforms to be very, very good at ripping that out of their toxic pit of scum and villainy. They're, uh, um, which they've done with some very uh, with with some very high profile people. They're uh, they're good at two things. They're good at getting rid of copyrighted material and um, any time that people work collectively to try and rail in any way against the system. So, like, look if you uh, uh, call a celebrity a C word, you'll get banned very quickly. Mm. Yeah, uh, if you post a, a Premier League goal, that will be stripped out within milliseconds. Mm. Uh, but I can go around and use I. One can use the N word liberally, and it's perfectly all right because that's free speech. Yeah. yeah, it's absolutely it's absolutely disgusting, and you know um, that we. We know whose interest these people serve, like the, you know, these platforms. They only, they're not, they they have no interest in, you know, Trump was allowed to do whatever he was until, you know, it was not, you couldn't continue it anymore. And then they decided to push the button on him that day because, anyway, these, Katie Hopkins was spewing her vile bile for years and years and years and years and years before they did anything about it. We know, we know, we know they don't care. They, they absolutely cannot care but anyway uh i don't know i don't know even i i hate i hate talking about it but uh i hate that it exists much more than i hate the ink like i hate what it does to people and what people are having done to them much more than i hate having to talk about it you know it's a it's a tiny thing to do to just and and you know there are people that have stopped listening to this show because we talk about this stuff too much and the reason we talk about it too much is because it happens too much not because we decided to talk about it more you know so yeah yes well, yeah. and uh yes people make that point to us through various channels uh, uh, privately and or publicly um and it's a shame because yeah. Uh, yeah. i i would Love it to be rainbows and flowers and frolicking through fields of wheat or whatever it is supposed to be. And 
and, uh, and we we could just talk about the football and mm. the football being good. But unfortunately, the world is <laughs> and so was the football. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, a little word about the Liverpool performance. What a joy that was. The moment that Bruno scored that goal was like right up there, isn't it? It's, you know, from and, and uh, we should talk about like, Marcus Rashford finding Mason Greenwood and Mason Greenwood finding himself again. Like that a beautiful, absolutely classic Greenwood Van Persie bang. Like superb. That goal, um, I was saying, I was saying on the in the WhatsApp, I've got to remember that for goal of the season, because from oh. the Pogba tackle to the ball, I think it's McTominay, it might be Shaw who knocks it out wide to Rashford. Rashford gets his head up beautifully and that crossfield pass, who knew that Marcus Rashford had a, a pinger like that in him? I guess we, we could have... Absolutely drilled it, didn't he? Yeah. Hollywood ball, just absolutely millimetres perfect over the defender. Yeah. And right into Mason's uh, path, yes. Just a, a lovely goal all round and then, and then capped by Bruno doing a Van Persie <laughs> and banging in a late winner from a free kick. Yeah. Uh, magic, magic. Very good. Enjoyed it thoroughly. And that's why... Yesterday it was so thoroughly depressing. Yeah. To come from that high, that sort of moment of of beating Liverpool in a cup when they had to go for it because, of course, it was a different pattern from the, the league game when United were quite circumspect betting on, as we talked about, betting on Liverpool fading. Yeah. Uh, and Solskjaer talked about it to a cup game when you couldn't really do that quite as much because someone had to win. Yeah. Uh, and and just went toe to toe, and and this is Bruno, Frank Bruno, punching out Mike Tyson, which never happened, but United did do it. It was good on um, um, on the BBC coverage because uh, um, uh, he said uh, Gary Lineker made a, a reference to Frank Bruno as like Bruno with the knockout blow or something, and uh, he said, "Do you know what I mean?" And then off off camera, and right went Gary. <laughs> Which was which was really good and clearly unscripted and very enjoyable. Um, nice, but it, more all the more. Enjo- oh yeah! By the way, like that game, there was some post match analysis from perfectly reputable people, and and it happened. The Cocom was probably not so reputable. Talking about whether the foul on Cavani, where I can't remember who it was, the Liverpool defender's knee goes straight through the back of Cavani's knee. No, oh, he's made a meal of that. And like I saw loads of people buying that story, and it's just like, oh man, the media really will lie to you, won't it? Like it really will do a number on people. Cause yeah, that was that was the foulest foul I've ever seen in Foul Town. <laughs> I know. I mean uh, I, I, I'm i not quite sure what channel I was looking at. I had Darren Fletcher's commentary. I wasn't watching it on BBT. But uh, um, so, yes, and uh, there was quite a lot of chat um, on that, wasn't there, about whether it was a foul. <laughs> what? <laughs> so weird. What? So weird. Anyway. Um, yeah. Well, look, um, Keys and Grey on Bean Sport uh, spend all their time, the hairy palmed <laughs> that they are. Uh, talking about how many penalties United get. Uh, it's been a concerted effort, by the way. Yeah. Some people in the media, Jurgen Klopp and a few others. Mourinho. To Mourinho, yeah, to uh, stop United getting so many penalties. And we've had a few now, you know, Maguire's chalked off, um, who had uh, the studs raked down their leg against Liverpool in the in the draw. I, um, I can't remember who that was, but yeah. And the, yeah, and, it, and you know it, the Mar- exactly. the Martial goal yesterday when when Maguire was alleged to have fouled him, which was a very very 50-50 decision. United it, it I mean honestly. That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah, honestly, it's definitely working. Like it is it's legitimately changed the nature of the way United's games are being refereed, which is like, you know, it's upsetting that that can happen. But hey, not like we were short of good decisions for the period before people started talking about it. You know? Yeah, I mean, I guess one day we'll get to a, a VAR system which is there to support the referees and that it's a completely level playing field and uh, we don't have a, this kind of weird sorry for the cricket reference, DRS-like system where it makes a difference whether it was pitching outside or not pitching outside or <laughs> reviewed or not reviewed or it's clipping the wickets by a quarter of a ball or a half a ball. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and which is what we got with VAR now because the first decision shouldn't affect the second decision if you're going to re-review it. 
Absolutely. So, um, very, very dispiriting. Maybe Man United aren't going to win the league after all, but a massive game to come. So let's have a break and then talk about Arsenal, I guess. All right. If you want more from the show in between shows, check us out on the socials. We are NQAT Pod on Instagram, Ed's at NQAT Pod on Twitter, and we are under our real names on Facebook at No Question About That. Oh, just before we get to the Arsenal game, given that global capitalism is once again in the headlines, thanks to the efforts of some people on Reddit and the efforts of the collective Wall Street machine to shut down any hint of humans being able to benefit in some way from the system, as opposed to just an elite handful of hedge fund managers. Um, uh, the Deloitte Money League, are we, uh, we top of that league? Are we second behind City in that league? <laughs> no, a fourth behind... Uh... FC Barcelona. Um, who, yeah, no, no. I don't, exactly. Okay. I do not it's think good. the Deloitte Money League is credible anymore. Having said no, that. no, no. I, I, I'm going to have to defend them there, right? So, so the ranking is done on revenue, right? And we can get to why it is United's revenue has fallen more than anyone else's, right? It's um, and and it's quite good as a report in calling out the subtleties, but the ranking is done on revenue, right? So this is Barcelona. Uh, quote, unquote, I'm doing air quotes here, peeps, uh, the richest club in the world, also 1.2 billion euros in debt um, and uh, absolutely facing a complete meltdown financially. Uh, Real Madrid is second. Uh, they have slightly less debt. It's only a few hundred million. Uh, and uh, Bayern Munich have um, replaced United in third place. And, and And one of the other impacts here and the reason why United are slipping down this league is because um, United's revenue has been hit uh, 19% uh, by the COVID um, pandemic um, because we get a huge amount from match day. Not only um, bums in seats, but everything goes around it. People in the mega store and people purchasing, purchasing other stuff. And there's some weird stuff around dates as well. So Bayern Munich actually basically finished their season, whereas some of um, last season will be included in next year's table because the Premier League started again later and stuff like that. Um, but anyway, uh, United, 115 million down as of the publication of this. And it's going to be a lot more by the time there's people actually back in Old Trafford again. Yep. Uh, but still, you know, Champions League place in money, which is going to matter a tremendous amount because uh, the Deloitte money table is essentially going to be the European Super League within 10 years time. Well, if if Real Madrid and Barcelona get their way, it'll be within two years' time. Right. I mean, there's there's such a push from uh, Agnelli at Juventus and uh, Senor Perez at at, at uh, Barcelona and uh, sorry, Real Madrid and and uh, four hundred people running to be the next Barcelona president. <laughs> uh, so and and of course, Ed Woodward and the Glazers are right in there because because they're trying to create something that looks much more like. Uh, the closed shop of the NFL that they understand and where you don't have relegation. And um, almost certainly the latest proposal, it seems like it would be a midweek league of something like 18 or 20 games or something like that. Um, and and 15 of the places would go to like historically successful clubs. Uh, and like five of them would go to... United! Uh, United! United! <laughs> Yeah. And we are historically uh, successful. Yes. Quite quite a long time back in history yeah. at this point, sadly. Although but, yeah. not not as far back in history as Arsenal, who well, I guess they won the FA Cup last season, but that does not count, um, as we know. Uh Arsenal, famously rubbish. Famously rubbish, Arsenal. Lost to Southampton in the FA Cup, but then beat them on Tuesday night in the league. 3-1's a pretty big result for them. Uh, but, you know, so they drew 0-0 with Crystal Palace, beat uh, beat Newcastle 3-0, literally doesn't count. Um, lost to Southampton Cup, then beat them in the league. So, you know, the, the Arteta revolution, um, they've, they've, they've had some good press lately, but, like, they've won, what, two of their last one, two, three, four games, uh, f- three of their last five. But if you go back a little bit further than that, it starts to get pretty messy for them. And they had a little good good little run over Christmas when they, they beat uh, 
uh, Brighton and West Brom. Very good. They were very good against West Brom. They're, they're a different proposition um, in lots of different ways. They've signed, of course, is it Martin Hedegaard. Hedegaard. Um, yep. <laughs> um, he's going to be, uh, I guess, available for this game. I don't see why not. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it seems like it. It seems like he's going to be registered. Uh, one of the interesting things is, is does does he not play as a number 10? Is he not kind of a... Yes, yes, he's, uh, he's, a, creative, he's a creative midfielder. Um, he was recalled by Real Madrid, but didn't get... The t- you know, he it was supposed to be a two-year loaner at Real Zaragoza, I think. So, and uh, Sociedad, Sociedad. Yeah, I, I could be wrong about yeah. that, but yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and uh, they recalled him, but he's barely played. So yeah, he's a creative player. Uh, it's it's kind of interesting though because he's a young player, and they've just brought in Emil Smith Rowe to play in that position, and he's been great. And it's, and he's been good. <laughs> and so instead of like, and they've you know he's replacing. The experienced player in Özil, who's gone to Fenerbahce, and it's kind of a bit weird that now are going to have two young players vying for that spot rather than bring in a sort of more experienced player. They they go all they're all over the place. Arsenal when it comes to transfers, and yeah, they make some really odd decisions, which is kind of helps to explain where they are in the league, I suppose. You know, and it's interesting. Like the the, the I mean, this is a weird thing to say, but a move like this gets the full social media treatment, right? But it's a six month loan. Like it's it's nothing. It's they've, they've got a good player off Real Madrid for six months. There's no option to buy. It's just it's just a loan deal. So they really are kind of scraping, I guess. Um, and yeah, it does it does feel weird? I guess Emil Smith Rowe kind of needs some not even competition but support and can't just be expected to play every week. But you'd imagine Real Madrid will be expecting Erdogan to play lots. Yeah, I, I imagine so. I mean, the, the interesting thing with uh, Arsenal signings is when they sign, they're the greatest player in the history of the game ever, according to Arsenal Twitter. Uh, and by about this time, they're completely useless. <laughs> and, uh, and so maybe Odegaard can just fast forward straight to the completely useless phase of his Arsenal career. Maybe, but they, yeah. they like to have one good game against us first. Um, I, I wonder what on earth Solskjaer is going to do. I mean, if Bailly's still injured, like, yeah, by the way, we would have won that game if Eric Bailly was playing. That is the, it's the, that's the most Darren Fletcher 2009 Champions League final thing I've ever said. But this is, this is true. Like, we would have won that game because those goals would not have happened if Eric Bailly was playing. Um, but so if Bailly's still injured, uh, Lindelof, I guess, must have not been available for, for that game. He was on the bench. Oh, okay. So last night, right, yeah. right, right. So maybe he was. Maybe he was just rested. Um, I wonder if we won't see Maguire and Lindelof for that kind of deep lying defense move. Uh, sure, Bissaka, one Bissaka, a midfield of McFred. I guess McFred is going to play, and then I wonder if he'll go Pogba, Fernandez, Greenwood, Rashford, or Cavani, I, even. Um, yeah, may, well, maybe yes. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure he'll go to, to his sort of fave pick. He's going to, the reaction I, I don't think will be completely radical from from Solskjaer. It will be some players failed here. We're going to, I go, I'm going to go to what I know. So, yes, McFred will definitely play 100%. Uh, I'm sure if Victor Lindelof is fit enough, you know, he's had this back problem, he'll play with Maguire and Shaw will definitely come back in. So, you know, the back five we know, the two in front we know. And then it's a question of what the blend is. I, I suspect Pogba and Fernandez will both, I mean, Fernandez definitely playing. I, I, would think Pogba will play, um, which only leaves two spaces left, doesn't it? So <laughs> count them up, count them up. Yeah, Cavani yeah. and Rashford, I guess. Be the Could other be two. Cavani and Rashford in a sort of split. Um, it, it doesn't necessarily suit Cavani awesomely well because, or Pogba. I, I mean, unless, yeah, or, or Pogba, I mean, unless Pogba plays off the left where he's actually quite enough enjoyed it yeah. this season, Rashford yeah. down the right. Um, and, and that definitely, look, there's, Pogba wasn't at his best yesterday. He wasn't at his worst either. Um, but uh, it it helps him when he's not passive, right? And he's not passive when he's in attacking positions. And it doesn't matter what part of the pitch that is. Mm. Uh, and and uh, so playing him off the left and Rashford off the right, is, is it feels balanced enough, even if neither of them particularly want to play in those roles. And I'd rather play, I'd rather have Pogba 
off the left because Shaw does offer so much more. I can't believe we're saying this so quickly after, you know, how reactive can you be? But like Shaw is currently offering so much more than Wan-Bissaka in the tacking capacity that, that you know, and Rashford will uh, pull out to the left, even if he's playing on the right, I guess there'll be, and Bruno will pull out there. So there's, there's, you know, that space will be occupied, I guess. Um, I, I'd quite like to see that. I, I can't, I think it would be kind of crazy for him to drop Pogba, um, but that's the only way of playing more of the the front place. Got to play Cavani. There's no way Cavani doesn't play this, doesn't start this game, right? Like, how how do you look at what's gone on recently and not start Cavani in this game? I, I just don't see that. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I uh, in um, with Martial's performances being so bad, there's a temptation to um, elevate Cavani's performances. Right? And he's done some very good things, but he's not been transformational. And we didn't expect him to be that player either. But do you think uh, right... you don't think he's been transformational? Do not think he makes Cavani. Yeah, he makes a huge no. difference to our I I think he's made a huge difference to our overall attacking play because his movement is so good. And like he offers something that none of the rest of them offer at all, which is like genuine centre forward movement. To me, that's that's one of the kind of specific tactical things that's like completely elevated our season and I think they um I think they there's a kind of they look up to him as well I I, I don't know I, I I mean the numbers might not say it but I'd be uh I, I, it's interesting that you said he's not been transformational because I kind of definitely think of him as a player that's a, a big big part of the reason why we're having a very different overall conversation about the season so far than any of us expected yeah he's averaging 47 minutes a match and um, he's got four goals. So, I mean, I guess that's what I'm thinking about. And that's on expected goals. Uh, like the movement, I'll buy that. Between between the lines of the box, uh, he's got good movement. He doesn't play the channels quite the same way in peak Martial and Rashford do. But neither of them are particularly peak at the moment. Um, I don't think Cavani is the reason why United uh, uh, have you know leapt forward this season. So I, I think the things coming together as an attacking unit is part of it. And and it being a weird season in which uh, many of our main rivals are also deeply inconsistent. So, mm, yeah. Anyway. Interesting. Um, yeah. Uh, okay, so you're not, you're not like 100% convinced he's nailed on to play this game? No, no, I think he will because Martial was so bad. Yeah. How could he? Unless it's the kind of reverse thing with uh ollie and he wants to support martial yeah. but um no i think i think it's um i was making a bigger comment yeah really. yeah no i get that uh, yeah. but but uh yes it would make sense for martial to play and i uh, sorry um cavani to play and it's the blend of how they play whether they're playing a diamond or pogba wide left yeah right well this is a a mega 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 must win game after that sheffield united game this oh, is f- this is yeah. a, this is a- I mean if United lose this one and go into games against Everton Southampton and West Ham and they could be defeats in those I mean could win them all Well the West Ham games a cup know. game so cup game but still that that West Ham game comes a 48 hours after the Everton game Yeah you know I expect uh, Solskjaer to be talking a lot about that coming up and so there's going to be a lot of um presumably they prioritize the league game there and the uh, big big number of changes for the cup game but yeah. still um uh we at some point, I know this is like a conversation that's been bubbling around and was being had very early on, but the Van der Beek conversation is getting really, really ridiculous now. So he rotated pretty heavily in that game yesterday uh, in terms of the defence. And well, like you say, he made five changes from, from the Liverpool game, but Van der Beek didn't play either of them. And you just wonder what is going on, right? Because did Van der Beek, did, did Van der Beek start against Liverpool? Because yes, he, he right. did. Yeah, in the in the cup game. Oh, yeah, he, did, and, yeah, yeah. And no, he had like mind. an hour, and yeah. yeah, had an hour, and wasn't awesome. Never mind. Um, yeah, forget that. Piece piece in the Athletic basically saying that uh, Solskjaer's had a conversation with him, at, and that this conversation was had when he was signed, which is you might have to bide your time this season. Uh, and he's had another conversation saying, "Look, you're in the plans." I'm parroting the Athletic here. Uh, and you know, don't don't panic, and um, and and this shouldn't surprise anyone because you know a lot of, a lot of the players have come out of Ajax and gone to big European clubs, um, have struggled a bit, right? Frankie De Jong wasn't, and he's 
you know, outstanding player. Yeah. Uh, wasn't great at Barcelona last season, not great at Barcelona this season either. So that's a bigger conversation. Um, so, you know, I'd, not time to hit the panic button. If Pogba said today that they, they have plans to talk at the end of the season about what comes next, I think everyone assumes Pogba leaves. But if he doesn't find a market because everyone is broke, and this is this is a definitely a potential, like Van der Beek is facing another season on the sidelines, I have, presumably. I have to say, if I had to, if I was a gambling man, which I am absolutely not, I would um, I would bet on Pogba being at United next season. I, I, I if you gave me even money either way, I think he's going to be at United next season. That's what I'm yeah, reading I, of the tea leaves. I mean, it could be co- totally idiocy, but you know. It, it looks like they've got a market of two clubs because the, the the Spanish clubs can't afford him. Zidane will be gone. There's no chance Zidane's lasting beyond this season. And he's the one who wants him. Uh, and they all have to cut huge amounts from their, their budget, the, the, the Spanish clubs. So it's Paris Saint-Germain or Ju- Juve, basically. And I th- I'm not sure Juve are going to stump up a big fee. So it would be another year. Yeah. All right. What's the score going to be against Arsenal? One 0 United. Seventeen year nil. Uh, yeah, God, I don't know. I mean, I just, I just hope we can defend properly. Yeah, we definitely can't defend properly. So I'm going to go two one United. Yeah, I'm going to say two two. <laughs> okay, cool. But I have no reason to say that. Yeah, I don't know why. Whatever. We we just pick a number, don't we? Exactly. We'll be back after that game to cover that and we'll do a full roundup of uh, Premier League fixtures for Patreon backers. Uh, thank you very much to everybody who has uh, supported the show. Thanks to everyone who sent a nice message to producer Tom. That obviously doesn't include Ed, who used the word plague a lot. Um, and uh, yeah, so massive thanks for listening and here's hoping for better days ahead. Hey, look, look, I, I also asked uh, listeners to to check out, you know, to check Tom was doing okay and he wasn't like dying in his flat and that we hadn't heard from him for weeks and he was just a rotting corpse. So, you know, I care. Clearly, that's the, that's the message of today's show. All right, thanks, everybody. Um, massive, massive love uh, to everyone out there. I know um, people are, are in the UK it's a really tough time at the moment. I think like this particular lockdown is hitting people the hardest of all the lockdowns so far. Um, hang in there and uh, look after yourselves. A better days ahead. <laughs>